0: Sunshine Radio, the hospital radio station for Western Supermare.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Club. I'm Marcus, and alongside me is Nick Chaffee. Hello. Hello, Nick. Now, Nick is the man that loves movies so much that he's working on a film that combines his love of archaeological adventures and dogs that can't woof. It's something he's going to call Raiders of the Lost Park.
0: Ah, uh, OK. <laughs> Sorry. I think I was sort of thinking ahead of what the punchline would be up if we settled on Jurassic Park. Oh. Huh. So. That would have worked. That, that would also work, yeah. Equally yeah. as bad. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, we'll be reviewing First Man, the story of Neil Armstrong and the legendary lunar Mission. And then later on, we'll also be looking at the dark thriller that's caused quite a reaction. Hereditary. And if you'd like to test your film knowledge, then stay tuned for our movie quiz, Take 5. Right now, though, here's Nick in the latest movie news.
0: Yep. So, headlines this week. Judy Dench joins cast of Tom Hooper's Cats. And, whoops, where's it gone? There we go. Horse remembered me from previous film, claims Liam Neeson. (laughs) It's it's been a bit of a slow week. (laughs) our first story having already heard it taylor swift james corden jennifer Hudson, and ian McKellen. director tom hooper has added two new arrivals to the cat's litter on wednesday it was announced that idris elba is to join the cast of his movie version of the andrew lloyd webber musical as macavity the villain of the piece and on friday judy dench was also added playing old Moni- Oh, excuse me should have read this before dutra money De- let's go with that should have seen it, I think, maybe before I, was, before I read this news story. Old um, Deuteronomy, the Jericho leader who was kidnapped by McCarthy Deuteronomy is a role that has always been played by a man in stage versions of the musical, a, an ancient wise cat who has lived many lives in succession. Deuteronomy commands the respect of not just his feline pals, but also humans and dogs. Based on T.S. Eliot's Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, the f- show was first performed in 1981. Dench was, Dench was said to play Grizabella in the original West End production, but had to withdraw from the show after snapping her Achilles tendon. The part was then taken by Elaine Page, who played the moffied Glamopus to great acclaim for many years. Um i don't even know
1: how that's going to work as a film are they going with the whole musical side of it or
0: uh well i, I presume so because if, if they're explicitly adapting the uh the lloyd webber uh stage but i mean this, this is the first time we've t- talked about this uh, upcoming production on the show do you want a quick uh, quick update of the cast yeah go for so, it. Under- so we've got um no obviously julie says we've just been talking Classic. about yeah i didn't realize that she uh, that she sang but apparently, she uh, received warm reviews when she played uh, Sally Bowles in the nineteen sixty eight West End production of Cabaret. Just sort of memory you know, played by uh, Liza Minnelli in the the film version in the seventies. Um, Jennifer Hudson, who sort of famous as a, a, a pop singer and also an actress, in a, I mean, right she was in uh, Dreamgirls with uh, Beyonce and Eddie yep. Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, Idris Elba, who I I have been informed is you know, very. Uh, uh, proud of of the, of the music that he makes, so you know it sort of makes sense to him for him to finally have a, a film role that uh, uh allows him to you know do that sort of sort of stuff um but you know famous as a stringer bell in the wire and um' Does
1: those sky adverts
0: yes, yes, and uh, thousands and thousands of james Bond rumors <laughs> as well um, do you know there's been
1: so many rumors about him being James Bond i'm almost convinced that he has been and i've just missed the film
0: maybe yeah like he did did the radio series or something and <laughs> and we all missed it um taylor swift who's well, she's taylor swift um i don't think it's been been confirmed which role she's uh going to be taking that one but that'd be interesting um same goes for james corden yeah very very upfront about having lo- loving a bit of a, a sing he's not a shy when it comes to singing is he no he's not um you know <laughs> some people like that um and again ian mckellen similarly to julie dench i don't think he's had any uh any big singing roles in any any films fabulous voice of course so be interesting to see how, how they apply that hmm. In show business, the adage goes, uh, never work with children or animals. But if you do have work with horses, apparently there's a chance that they'll remember you. Liam Neeson this week bemused audiences in New York and rallied other actors like Russell Crowe with his claim that a horse on the set of his latest movie recognised him because they had previously worked together. Neeson plays a travelling musician in the Coen Brothers film The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and told a New York Film Festival event the horse who pulled his wagon fondly remembered him as an old workmate i'm saying this horse knew me Mason said according to page six he actually remembered me from another western we made a while back he whinnied when he saw me and poured the ground which is you know, something i also do when i see him Le- <laughs> i love animals when we worked together i, I before i took special care of him i fed him treats gave him apples uh, while some were, cyn- were cynical crow was uh, quick to offer support saying that he formed a similar bond with two different horses including one he met filming gladiator there's a horse, George, who I gave a speech in the forest in Gladiator on, he said on Twitter. Years later, he was on the set of Robin Hood, and we would have a chat every day. Same with the white horse, Rusty, in Robin Hood. We chatted again on Les Mis, lifelong friends. The Lord of the Rings star, Viggo Mortensen, also bonded so, strong, so strongly with the horses on set that he bought two of them after shooting Wrapped, and then also bought the horse he rode in his next film, Hidalgo. He told Entertainment Weekly in 2004, I did buy the horse, I thought about buying him all during the shoot. And in 2009, he explained to the Guardian, I met him, and we got along well, and I wanted to keep seeing that horse, so I bought him. He's fat, and happy, and lazy. Viggo Morrison has also published a book of photographs called The Horse is Good.
1: <laughs> I, d- I don't know where to go with that. No? There was yeah. some uh, unbridled enthusiasm uh, in this story. Okay, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Not, okay. not, not a lot going on. No, pretty quiet. <laughs> Never, Never mind, there is a
1: lot going on uh, at the cinema. In fact, mm. let's give you the top five UK box office films. And uh, number five, we have Smallfoot.
0: Okay. Um, haven't seen it, but I do have some information about uh, who's in it. Okay, um, so, so run down here uh, Zendaya is Michi. LeBron James is Gwangi Danny DeVito is Dorgal Okay, follow me so far. Okay. Okay. Common is Stonekeeper, and Zendaya is Michi. Gina Rodriguez is coca and Zendaya is Michi. Okay. <laughs> clearly you've not seen that meme so <laughs> <laughs> I <know>. never mind
1: <laughs> but somebody has and they find that hilarious yes at <laughs> <laughs> number four we have first man which we will be reviewing very shortly mm-hmm. number three johnny english strikes again
0: yeah um johnny english is back for a third for a third time yeah.
1: yeah ron atkinson not being mr bean N-
0: no speaking
1: and there's some good music in it as well by ollie Mers
0: oh okay okay
1: and number two, we have Venom. Johnny um, English isn't in that.
0: No. Um, Tom Hardy is, though. Uh, I have I mean, I've, I've been, been curious to see this. I've not managed to make the time as of yet. Uh, I will confess it's a morbid curiosity because I've not heard particularly good things about it. Um, but apparently it's um, ah, bad in an interesting way, <laughs> which is enough for me to make use of my, um, you know, sort of... Uh, unlimited uh, card okay. <laughs> technically uh, i'm not paying for it so you know that's fine by me
1: <laughs> and at number one at the uk box office at the moment is a star is born
0: yes uh which uh due to the uh the, the timing uh of our shows going out we're unfortunately not going to have time to um, tackle properly until it comes out on dvd but i do want to uh sort of get ahead of that by mentioning that i really really enjoyed it. i was surprised by how much i enjoyed it actually because it's a just,
1: just to say it stars bradley cooper and lady gaga
0: yes both of which are fantastic lady gaga especially is i mean i know there's been lots of uh, awards talk already but i think she is a, a shoe in for for oscars and uh and, and such the thing is the the songs are really really good like the, oh. the, the the first one that you hear um is sort of bradley cooper's old band and you know, i was giving them, I, was, I was expecting something like a bit musical theatrey, sort of you know a bit like the greatest showman but it's it's not the first song kicks right in and it's basically a black keys song and it's astounding especially i mean the screening i was in was really like loud as well not overbearingly so but just like the, the perfect amount of volume um and I, I was like hooked immediately and i stayed hooked all the way through it's a really really impressive piece of work well, hopefully we'll have uh, the chance to def- definitely want to see in the cinema if you if you can, but obviously you know we'll, we'll review it properly when it comes out on DVD.
1: Absolutely. Okay, the top five UK film rentals. At number five is Hereditary, which we will also be reviewing uh, in today's show. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that. Uh, number four is Deadpool Two
0: yep still still hanging on in there I have you talked about this before I can't remember I think we mentioned it last week briefly because it was in the the top five last time I think so yeah Um, I I preferred this to the 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 previous one I thought I just thought it was a bit more interesting had a bit more
1: a bit more of the storyline
0: oh yeah just a bit more going on besides being oh it's a superhero movie with jokes you
1: know yeah number three The Greatest Showman
0: yeah um, which I, I think again we talked about last time as well still not for me I mean this as I mentioned with a star is born this is very sort of musical theatery and very uh very showy and just felt uh a bit artificial for for my tastes but you know it's done well people love it and number two we have book club yeah which i vaguely remember coming out it's um a lot of uh should we say older uh film actresses who've done you know previously good work. i think jane Fonda is is uh in it yeah I was, I, was, I was just trying to uh, just look it up on instagram <laughs> uh, diane
1: keaton oh uh, yeah jane Fonda. there we go uh, candice bergen oh, okay yeah and mary steenbergen
0: oh, okay okay, yeah
1: um yeah wonderful performers more than all and at number one we have solo yeah. star
0: wars story yeah which i keep getting by that subtitle um which we reviewed on the program last time uh just just wasn't distinctive enough for me I wanted to enjoy it, but um, I mean, I, I do, I did, I did appreciate that it was a, uh, a like a low stakes Star Wars entry. It was just, um, I, I guess, slightly expanding the world a little bit. For, but for me, wasn't really funny enough or entertaining enough to put it above you know any other num- any any number of action comedies which are also available to watch. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I think we, we said sorry. it was the most expensive Star Wars film ever made. Oh, that's right, yeah. Pound for pound.
0: Doesn't look like it, though, does it?
1: (laughs) Okay, up next, uh, we'll be giving you our thoughts on First Man, the story of Louis Armstrong, the first man to play trumpet on the moon. (laughs) Well, you're listening to The Sunshine Cinema Club with Nick and Marcus, and now it's time for our first review of the show, which is First Man Certificate 12A. First Man tells the riveting story of NASA's mission to land a man on the moon, focusing on Neil Armstrong and the years 1961 to 1969. A visceral first-person account based on the book by James R. Hansen, the movie explores the sacrifices and the cost on Armstrong and on the nation of one of the most dangerous missions in history. I don't know what space exploration will... Uncovered, but I don't think it'll be exploration just for the sake of exploration. I think it'll be more the fact that it allows us to see things that maybe we should have seen a long time ago, but just haven't been able to until now.
0: Does anyone have anything else? Yeah. Neil, I was sorry to hear about your daughter.
1: I'm sorry. Is there a question? Um, what I what I mean is, uh, do you think it will have an effect? I think it would be unreasonable to assume that it wouldn't have some effect. Well, the first man is the Oscar from the Oscar-winning director Damien Chazelle and the uh, star Ryan Gosling who re-teamed... On the heels of the six time Academy Award winning smash La La Land. Uh, first Man was the first film actually directed by Damien Chazelle where he didn't write the script. Now.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah I just noticed that.
1: <laughs> um, first Man. Uh, is the name of the film, and not Apollo Eleven. Mm-hmm. So, Nick, is there more to this film than just the moon landing?
0: Yes, I mean, there's a lot more, and not not just with scenes uh, that show earlier flight submissions that Neil Armstrong was on. There was, uh, you know, there's an X15 jet flight and uh, Gemini Eight. Also, did you know that NASA pronounced it Gemini? I didn't know that, no. No. I
1: was always Gemini.
0: Um, but just, they just preferred it that way, apparently. <laughs> That's the reason why. Um, but no, no, the film also attempts to explore what Neil Armstrong was uh, like as a as a person and what drove him as well. Um, so you mentioned this is from J- Damien Giselle, but I think it's worth saying up front that this is a very, very different beast from both Whiplash uh, both and La La Land. Um, if you consider how gritty Whiplash was and how glamorous La La Land was, I think this could possibly be considered as a blend uh, of those two qualities. But um, unlike those films, I did feel, at times, a small distance that sort of kept me from, I think, fully connecting with the, the story. The, the film takes place over eight years, but um, aside from the odd time stamp and uh, some children that are growing older, there's, there was no real sense of time passing, uh, I felt. I, I also felt a little bit lost trying to take in all of the NASA chatter during similar missions, although m- maybe that was that was intentional. Now, I wanted to get those slight negatives out of the way at the beginning of this because just about everything else of the film is exemplary. I think chief of which is uh, the score, which uh, sees Justin Hurwitz returning again for a, a third uh, feature collaboration with, with Damien Chazelle. He worked on this for for two two years, um, completely in tandem with Damien Chazelle, planning and shooting and uh, editing, and it's just. An extraordinary piece of work the this, this score is. I had, I had a big, I had a big shortlist of moon-related tracks that I had sort of ready, sort of uh, in preparation for for, for this particular show, and I had to scrap all of them. So you know, no, no REM, no Arthur Russell, no FICE or anything. Um, and I was happy to do that because <laughs> because it's so good. I um, have you seen La, La Land* at all? La,
1: La Land, yes, yes, yes okay. I have.
0: I don't even remember the um, the ending of it. It sort of centres around a, uh, a seven-note riff, in a way.
1: Vaguely? Yeah, so, vaguely,
0: okay. yeah. I, I remember, because it's had such a, a, a big effect on me. Because that, that seven-note riff is utterly heartbreaking. And uh, Hurwitz, he works the same kind of magic here, only now he's using uh, a theremin which he learned to play himself while he was making this and and the harp so respectively we have the the saddest sounding instrument in the world and the most relaxing sounding instrument in the world working together and it sort of gives everything a very uh smooth gliding feel or almost um well just like a spaceship i say i mean one that's in control at least um there's also sort of a uh, very bassy um, harp riff in some of the uh, NASA and sort of Houston planning scenes, which is I found to be great working music as well. In fact, the whole score is is, is great. For I've, I've literally had it sort of playing quietly while I've been at work these, uh, this last week. So, if, um, if the score is the glamour part of the equation, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the grit is the scenes in the spacecraft, which are exhausting and and exhilarating in, in equal measure. They are genuinely stressful um, in a way that I would compare to uh, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk from... Uh, that was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, there's never a moment where we aren't constantly mindful of just how dangerous all of this is. And we're re- re- right there with them. The camera work is, is boxed in and claustrophobic. I think some directors in scenes I like, that, they might opt for some very fast and frenetic editing in those scenes. I'm pleased to say that Giselle doesn't do that. He sort of lets the the sound design and the score and the actors sell the disorientation. Um, speaking of actors, Ryan Gosden, once again, proves a, uh, the perfect choice for emotionally withdrawn lead characters. I do mean that as a compliment. Um, I think his performance illustrates... Um, a quality um, that I would call the, uh, the the numbness of grief, something that's uh, as the film pro- proves doesn't really go away over time, and it's not something that you see um, particularly often in, in in films. Also, fantastic is uh, Claire Foy as uh, his wife Janet Armstrong, uh, who's supportive but also incredibly anxious about the whole thing. <laughs> Understandably, I think. Um, I think in a lesser film, this this character would have been written as more uh you know hy- hysterical that makes sense you're going to the moon but what about your kids on earth that's that sort of thing and and th- th- there was a moment where i was worried that that would happen here um but you know happily she um you know she happily supports him she just needs him to take responsibility for for the uh, the danger of everything which you know i i agree with that it, and it makes for an interesting uh conflict as well there's a scene where he needs to sort of explain to his children that when he's going up to the moon he may not potentially return and he sort of basically um plays it as almost like a boardroom meeting so so try, he literally says any any other questions about that and before before trying to get away early now uh, it's um no it's, it's fantastic okay
1: Nick. well let's give it a sunshine cinema club rating out of 10
0: yeah uh, i'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 Um, Like the space programme itself, it's rickety in places, but it achieves some astonishing things.
1: Okay, coming up next, we have our review of Hereditary, uh, a tragedy that curdles into a nightmare. But before that, it's our Take 5 film quiz. Well, this is the Sunshine Cinema Club. Uh, Coming up later in the show, we have our film to rent review, which is Hereditary. But now it's time for our Take 5 film quiz. So, following the great success of previous weeks
0: Yeah
1: and some wonderful accents by myself
0: Oh yes, yeah
1: We're going to continue the Film Quotes theme Okay So I have five film quotes, and uh, these are are all just from a film. They're not opening lines or closing lines like previous ones. Okay. Middle lines. Yeah, Yeah. in the film. Uh, Some are well-known. Others, I think you will know them, but not necessarily know the film they come from. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to give you the the five quotes, and you just have to uh, tell me who... Sorry, what the film is. Yeah. And as a bonus point, who said them? Okay,
0: the, the name of the actor. The
1: name of the actor, not the character.
0: Okay.
1: You're welcome to play along. See if you can do better than Nick. So here we go. Let's start with number one. I love the smell of napalm in <laughs> Um, Am I
0: giving my answer up right now, or...?
1: Are we waiting? Yeah, let's go through them, and then you can give your answers. Okay. Give you time to uh, absorb the, the drama. <laughs> give that one again.
0: I don't know how much drama there is in that particular <laughs> accent.
1: Just picture you there. Yeah. I love smell of Nirvana in the morning. Okay, number two. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow.
0: Is the name of the character Steve that they're talking to? Okay. I never realised that.
1: You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? Just put your lips together and blow. Film quote number three. One morning, I shot an elephant in my pyjamas. How he got in my pyjamas, I don't know. Oh, that's, that's from a film? Yeah. One morning I shot an elephant in my pyjamas. How he got in my pyjamas, I don't know. Okay, number four. Now, this is one I'm sure you'll recognize, but do you know the film? Made it, Ma, Top of the World. Made it, Ma, Top of the World
0: just need to see if I can remember the name of the film
1: (laughs) and finally number five short and simple you can't handle the truth I said it I'll say it again you can't handle the truth right okay nick have you got five answers
0: uh four and a half
1: okay and um have you dared to try and guess actors names as well
0: uh yeah yeah i've had a stab at all of them oh
1: good going right then let's see how you got on let's start with number one i love the smell of napalm in the
0: morning so the film is apocalypse now correct um and I believe the actor. I do confuse this person with other people at times. I think it was Robert Duvall.
1: Oh, well done.
0: Hey. Two points.
1: Number two, you know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow.
0: Okay. Uh, I think the film was The Big Sleep.
1: Incorrect. Okay. The but, film hmm. was to have and have not.
0: Right. I thought, I thought it was... I uh, almost put that. But the actress... Yes. ...was Lauren Bacall.
1: Correct, yes. Yeah, point for that one. Okay. Number three. One morning I shot an elephant in my pyjamas. How he got in my pyjamas, I don't know.
0: See, that's a tricky one, because I, it always... Obviously, I know the quotes, but I always imagined it sort of, you know, came from, like, a, a, a stand-up routine or... Or something off the, off the radio. Um, so I'm just going to have a pure guess at the kind of person who might have potentially said something like this in one of his films. Um, Peter Sellers? Incorrect. Okay.
1: The film was Animal Crackers.
0: Groucho Marx. Groucho uh, okay. Marx, isn't
1: it? Yep, correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number four. Uh, Made It Mar, Top of the World.
0: Okay. I think I, I know this one. Um... I think the, f- the film was called White Heat. Correct. Hey, oh, I, was, <laughs> I was sort of dithering between one or two. Um, and the, the actor was James Cagney.
1: Oh. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those films that I don't think many people would would know the, the quote. It's the other way around, rather. That's mm-hmm. the quote where you may not necessarily know the film title. No. Number five you can't handle the truth
0: Yep, Fuger men and then obviously uh, jack nicholas nicholas no nicholson i broke down nicholson i don't know why i said nicholas
1: <laughs> well you see if i was being strict i would uh i would be leaning over the uh, other side of the desk here and checking his workings i can uh,
0: do you want me to hold it over and just I've gone
1: then. oh yeah it is nicholson well, I let you have it because it's correct. <laughs> be cool not,
0: not using the deduct points for my uh, faulty tongue <laughs> no. or teeth quiz, which, whichever.
1: So there you go. Uh, that's this week's take five film quiz. Let's tot your score up, Nick.
0: Uh, oops, that's seven out of ten.
1: Not bad. Mm, not bad you. at all. How did you get on? Did you think, Nick? Well done if you did. Don't worry if you didn't. It was a tricky one this week. Mm. Okay, up next are available to rent, we review Hereditary, the story of a grieving family haunted by a tragic and disturbing occurrence. So now we will be reviewing the new to rent, Hereditary, Certificate 15. When the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter and grandchildren begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry trying to outrun the sinister fate that they have inherited.
0: Who's this? It's Grandma?
1: You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you you crazy. She wanted me to be a boy. You know, I was a tomboy when I was growing up. I hated dresses and dolls and pink.
0: Who's gonna take care of me? <sighs> um, excuse me? You don't think I'm gonna take care of you? But when you die...
1: it shudders just uh, so this is hereditary which was written and directed by Ari astor and it stars tony collette alex wolf gabriel Byrne, spoiler alert, and millie shapiro making her film debut mm-hmm. now nick the poster for this film had a quote on it saying it that this was this generation's exorcist yeah is that a fair comparison uh
0: in terms of overall quality perhaps not but only because the exorcist is is such a great film i think didn't we review it previously on this program
1: yeah it's a yeah. classic yeah. review
0: that's right yeah, yeah got a 10 out of 10 i believe because it is really really good um but when it comes to horror films that raise the bar or you know make us reconsider how they can be scary i think it's a it's an apt comparison because i think mean, to begin gamer horror films were just they were just sort of spooky, really, if you think about the old uh, Universal monster movies with uh, the Wolfman and the Mummy, that sort of thing. Um, they sort of focused on the, on the bizarre and, and the unknown. And it, they were still good. And then over time, uh, they sort of you know, added things like uh, violence and, and gore and jump scares <laughs> sorry uh so heredity mostly delivers its horror through sheer dread like it all, almost assaults you with with dread um and in a way that really got under my skin during the uh the first viewing when it was in my, well, my first viewing when it was in cinemas I, I didn't realize how much i it had got into my skin until i um f- actually felt a little, a little bit reticent to rewatch it for this this review um but I'm glad I did. Now, whereas with the Exorcist, you you know what's going on with the story, you're just you're just not too sure how it's going to shake out in the end. Hereditary isn't like that. It keeps all of its cards close to the chest right up until the end. Um, I've seen some reviews that you know, slightly criticise the film for how much it gives away in the run-up, and you know, some info might be telegraphed a bit more, a bit more obviously than I prefer. Uh, but I don't consider that a a problem really, even on a second viewing. Um, What it does do instead is uh, communicate through uh, camera work and acting and score that something is off, you know, right from the start. There's no no gentle wind-up or anything. You go straight into it. The the, the soundtrack and the score uh, has you on edge instantly. It's um, composed by Colin Stetson, who um, I believe is sort of quite well-known for his... uh, solo works uh, sort of some very dark ambient sort of stuff um and he u- uses a lot of these really low bassy uh I-, I think brass sounds um but not in a like a hand zimmer um inception it's a bit more subtle it's like the musical equivalent of a, a floorboard creaking underneath uh an unseen force so, like something's there that you can't see but it is there you know, unexplained noises in the dark. So it's just—it's really—it's quieter than you might expect as well. You can sort of ha- have it on in the background if you want to just uh, um, feel a little bit scared. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why I recommended that. Anyway, um, so all of this tension reaches its peak in one of the most disturbing scenes I think I've seen in in the film, and I, I mean ever. It's and it's disturbing partially for how quickly it happens, but mostly because of what it doesn't show you. Um, you know exactly what's happened, but like the character that's that's in the scene, you almost don't want to confirm it because that makes it real. And even on a second viewing, it remains shocking. And then the epilogue of of this scene that I'm talking about also plays into something that I mentioned in the the first man review, that sort of numbness that can come with grief. Although you know, obviously in this film, it's used to a, a very different purpose. Um, you know, moments where it doesn't feel real i actually questioned whether this thing did happen um at first within within the film uh but it does happen uh and, and that becomes very clear shortly afterwards i've been being very careful to be as vague as, as possible here because you you need to go into that scene blind you need to n- not know that it's coming up so i won't even mention where it happens in the film Ho- hopefully that helps <laughs> <laughs> um let's talk about the cast uh tony collette is uh, fantastic it's, it's a more complicated role than, than you might expect, I think. And not, it's not just screaming, although she's very good at the uh, at a screaming anything. I think, <laughs> um, cause I think she's, known, she's known to be a quite versatile actor, but um, I think her performance in this alone proves that, that she is a versatile actor. It's, it's not the type of performance that wins Oscars, but as far as I'm concerned, it's the, it's the type of performance that should win Oscars. And I'd say that the same goes for James McAvoy in Split. And also daniel Daniel Colera in Get House as well should have been uh, should have been recognized in that way, but uh, yeah, sadly the academy isn 't too keen on on <laughs> horror movies unless you pretend that they 're not horror movies like um Silence of the lambs like, it 's not a horror movie it 's a it 's a police it 's a dark piece psychological thriller um, anyway um, I think equally impressive on a second view is um, Alex Wolf as well, who has a very hard job to do he 's mostly just reacting to things. Um, but he's he's incredibly watchable and really believable as well. He really does sort of sell the uh, the idea that he's completely terrified and utterly confused by everything that's that's going on. Um, and that's important when, you, when you're watching it. it. Sort of allows the audience to you know sort of get into the space where where he's in. Uh, I think it's also worth mentioning uh, Anne Dowd, who's probably better known as uh, Aunt Lydia in the uh, TV series of the Handmaid's Tale. Uh, just as sinister here she is on that. Uh, that is
1: pretty much all I have, I think. Do You know, the, the only thing I will uh, add to that really is that some people don't like horror films and won't watch horror films. Flat refuse to. Mm-hmm. There's something in this that takes it out of that stereotypical horror
0: genre. It's very non-traditional in in that or sort of sort of. Um, it's not uh, the conjuring or uh, or Annabelle or any of those sort of um as you know as mark como puts it they're not not quite quite bang movies it doesn't there aren't there aren't any jump scares in this i don't think really it just you just sort of sit there and it's uh just makes you feel bad <laughs> i don't know that's 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 not something i would normally say as a positive but for a horror movie you, i I just want to be creeped out i think sometimes and that's absolutely what what this film does
1: okay so let's give hereditary a sunshine cinema club rating out of 10
0: um yeah, you know, i think what i just said pretty much sums it up as, as advertised it'll creep the bejesus out of you <laughs> 8 out of 10
1: this is the Sunshine Cinema Club and uh, now we have a part of the show where Nick gives us a little recap on some of the films that uh, you may have missed
0: yeah uh, well, well th- that we missed while we while well, were away yeah exactly so uh, recent releases
1: yes uh, we have a 60 second timer for you Nick yep yeah. Are you I'm ready Oh, what's the film?
0: Do you want see the film? Uh, well, it's like an eight... I think there's an, there's an eight-second lead in, isn't there? So maybe I'll, okay. I'll mention it. So, yeah, here we go. Uh, you ready? I'm ready. ready? 60... Oh, it's quite loud. So 60 seconds wow. on Get Out. So, uh, much like Hereditary, this was a horror film that made me reconsider how they can be effective to the extent, I think, where many people might not consider Get Out to be... A horror film in the first place, but I think the ending makes that pretty explicit. Uh, starring Daniel Kaluuya, uh, along with Catherine Keener and Bradley Whitford. It's a, a story that starts out familiar to many, uh, you know, meeting your partner's parents for the first time and then slowly gets darker and darker. It's written and directed by uh, first-timer Jordan Peele, uh, previously best known as a comedy actor, one half of uh, sketch duo Key and Peele. Uh, and this is one heck of a way to kick off his film career, I think. One of the most tightly plotted films I think I've ever seen. Uh, similarly, so much attention to detail with the directing as as well. There are plenty of visual character moments in this that uh, pay off later in the film. Uh, and it's uh, timely when it comes to addressing different forms of racism, meaning that, uh, like so many classic horrors before, it also has a social commentary angle. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, pleased no, with that. Not bad. Thank you.
1: Not bad. Well, sadly, we've reached the end of uh, today's show. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Sunshine Cinema Club. We do have just enough time to tell you some of the upcoming releases uh, at the cinema and on DVD.
0: Yeah, so big one coming up on the 24th of October is uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Uh, the uh, life story of uh, Freddie Mercury and uh, Queen. Uh, I imagine most people have probably seen the seen the trailers or sort of clips. Um, so, starring uh, Rami Malek uh, in the lead role, who I think people might know possibly from uh, Mr. Robot, which was a Amazon TV show. H- have you seen the trailers for this? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah? I'm really looking forward to this. Okay. I'm curious about it, because I, I felt like I've seen a lot of uh, musical biopics that seem to sort of cover the same sort of ground. Um, not that it makes them bad, it just means that they all feel a, l- a little bit similar you're sort of just waiting for the next song that you know to to pop up yeah Uh, yeah. but but, i mean you know the life story of of freddie mercury is uh you know this was interesting um Uh, you mentioned randy malik who
1: plays freddie mercury yeah Uh, i was interested to see that sasha baron cohen was lined up to play him
0: yes um and then (laughs) quite interestingly dropped out um, because he was in discussions about what the about a story with um the uh, surviving members of the of of Queen um and then discovered that they intended to sort of make the uh, I think uh, the second half of the story basically about how the band carried on after Freddie passed away which
1: I'm sorry, I'm going to have to uh, cut you short there, Nick, because we're fast running out of time. We are. Uh, just to say, on DVD uh, to look forward to, there's Oceans 8 and, uh, and also Sicario 2. Yeah. That's it. Take care
0: and uh, get well soon. To find out more about Sunshine Radio, visit our website at www.sunshinehospitalradio.co.uk.